0: Here. I'm not even supposed to be here today. If he gets up, we'll all get up, it'll be anarchy. I'm a trained actor Reduce to you still take some about.
1: Hello, welcome to episode 48 of the Film School Dropouts podcast. My name's Martin Briggs. My name's Andy Martin. And today we're talking about British horror movies of the last decade which is really specific but there's yeah. been some good ones and that's that's the reason we're talking about it. a bit of a um bit bit of a, a a strong horror movement in the uk at the minute yeah
0: so, and then says so really you know we're saying the last 10 years there's kind of people who are coming through as well isn't it you know um some of the directors we, we can talk about have only done one or a couple of films but who we sort of see maybe the future of horror yeah
1: yeah, we we'll to talk about as many as you like.
0: Yeah, Well, okay. um, What should we start with? Um, one of the two that we've both seen recently.
1: Which mm-hmm. this uh, tales from the lodge that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, so, look, is, yeah,
0: uh, yeah we, that was a bit I mean, of a comedy troupe
1: out. behind it, really. Isn't it? Like,
0: yeah, it's a strange one. It's a. Um, it's. A, I didn't realise it was one of these. Um, Kind of episodic. There's four, four or five different stories in it, isn't
1: there? So it's pretty um, much, it's it's pretty. It, it's an interesting take on the, the portmanteau style, where you've got like different stories within one story that links everything together. Because it ultimately is only one story, and the other little stories take the form of them telling a story to each other. And yeah. each each actor that's that's telling that story directed their own segment. But it doesn't feel like you're sort of leaving the story that you're already in, if you know what I mean. Whereas normally with yeah. something like Ghost Stories, it feels a little bit more like that. And then further back with like the Amicus ones, like From Beyond the Grave or something like that, then it really is just a series, a separate series of different stories that aren't linked in any big way. Whereas, yeah, this doesn't feel like you've left the main story. And I think and it, the main story is helps
0: because some it's of them strange. are shorter stories as well, aren't they? It's yeah. It's kind of, really so, yeah, some, some only last few minutes, and I didn't know that. It, it, it's a while before you actually even get the first story, and then you get how the film's going to work, and it's a, a world away from, say, Creep Show, where it's loosely linked by, you know, meant to be flicking through a comic book, or the tales from the crypt movies, or that sort of thing, isn't it? Um, so funny. I know there's a series of that, but I don't know. Um, so it, it, I found that interesting, because it kind of threw me, I thought I was getting one film for sort of 20 minutes and then it turned into, into this. And uh, I think once I I grasped it, I really enjoyed it. And, and with the cast as well, um, it was more of a horror than I thought it would be because, you know, two male stars who are probably the two most recognizable ones are Mackenzie Crook and Johnny Vegas. Yeah. Even though they've both done serious roles, You'd think if them two are together, it'd be a comedy. And didn't they do that "Sex Lives of the Potato Men" or something?
1: Yeah, you've got a uh, Dustin Demry Burns um, in it as well, whose name I didn't know, but whose face you will definitely recognise. He always seems to turn up with these actors in yeah. in
0: in other things as as well. He's he's done loads of things as well, and um, I think he's in the Alan Partridge movie. That's, that's yeah. one thing I recommend. Yeah, he's well.
1: in the Alan Partridge movie. He uh, was in Game Face as in truth seekers alongside people like Nick Frost and, you know, the, 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 we're, we're talking about the kind of faces that often appear next to each other in British productions. Yeah. It always that seems way. to be that way. It's not always the same people, um, like in every single film, but it's often the same people together. And like, right. yeah, people sort of yeah, tend it, to follow their friends in the British
0: film industry. It seems. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of these people we recognise from TV as well. Like, um, sophie thompson's in it who was in i recognized her from um do you remember lee evans had a, a sitcom called so what now probably late 90s she was the sort of female lead in that but she's also been in um, four weddings and a funeral both coronation street and eastenders and at yeah. least won the harry potter films so done the lot really so uh, yeah that is, uh, the, is
1: that is that the the british film industry bingo card Done Coronation Street,
0: Andy eastenders and at
1: least one of the Harry Potter movies. Yeah, and four <laughs> weddings and, the funeral, you know, and yeah. four weddings, yeah.
0: That's <laughs> pretty much it, isn't it?
1: Rom-com, um, Harry Potter, both soaps, jobs are good,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. Um, and it also, so uh, you know, um, Johnny Vegas, who I like, uh, more recently, I've only seen him pop up in things like Still Open All Hours and Benidorm. Yeah, you know, stuff that I'd probably avoid. Um, yeah. But it was nice to see well, him in Johnny,
1: I think I've always thought Johnny Vegas was really funny, but he doesn't get a lot of the kind of work that where he could really shine. The, the, the yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's a shame, because he was in Ideal, um, which, uh, interesting, we're going to talk about Ben Wheatley later. He was sort of involved in directing that as well. And that's, that's a really, really good sitcom. But it's honestly the only thing I've seen him in, apart from little bit parts, where he used to do, like, I um, can't remember the show, the news read by a man who's been up for 24 hours was a Johnny Vegas
0: bit. Ah, I sort of yeah.
1: remember, like, early in his career.
0: The idea was um, the only sitcom I can think of, or well, anything, actually, where he's the main starring. Yeah, exactly. Because that was, kind of, you know, it was probably written for him, which um, I watched this film on Amazon Prime, which you did, and um, I actually ended up buying the DVD because I wanted um, to see the extras, so I knew there's a fair bit on it. And there's um, about an hour and a half's worth of interviews. And the director um, says that, um, that she thought the, the casting for Johnny Vegas was perfect. And she this is uh, it, Abigail
1: got, Blackmore. Uh, that's it, yeah. One of the
0: actors. Who, who um, she, she, she's the main director and she wrote the film. Um, and I think she must have done pretty well to even get this film made because looking her up, it's the first thing she's properly directed, I think, apart from short films, um, which I think one of them, Vintage Blood, won a few awards, so that could be why. Um, she was an actress sort of in, in TV. And um, I, I imagine she wrote these roles with the people in mind. Mackenzie, yeah, well, it definitely seems
1: that way with Mackenzie Crook and with Johnny Vegas as well. well I don't M- know M- the M- other actors well enough to say, but that seems, yeah. that seems I would agree that definitely seems to be the
0: well, case. Well, um, Mackenzie Crook uh, was on board early doors and probably helped get the film made. Excuse me. And she approached Mackenzie Crook. She knows him because their kids go to the same school. No, all right. They've yeah. got him attached that way and he, 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 she says that in one of the interviews and in another interview he's like, yeah, I've known her years so I reckon you know, they've been friends for however long at least their kids went to school together. So that, that's kind of interesting. That, um, I imagine that helped get the film made because um, Mackenzie Grigg isn't that massive, massive star. He's worked in a lot and At the same um, time, he's
1: instantly he... recognisable, isn't he? And he's, yeah. I think he's, he's amongst them actors who everybody knows the face of, but not everybody knows the name of. Um, yeah. Which is a yeah, yeah, so... great place to be for a character actor, though, isn't it? Yeah, but...
0: and, yeah and I mean, uh, he's perfect for the of um, uh, Gummidge, which he was in the comeback thing of um, last year, and they, they can do a Christmas special this year.
1: That makes total sense, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, I mean,
1: it, apparently... he. He he looks so distinctive, Mackenzie Crook, because he has. I think it's like a sort of muscular developmental thing that he has, which is why he's like okay. so thin. And people have sort of like taken the piss out of him for it. And uh, apparently, he just says that he's he's really happy about it because it's it's really helped him with his acting
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. to, to be so
1: distinctive, looking certain types of characters. He's first, you know, front of the yeah. queue for really. But,
0: and with, with these, I don't want to say I'm not I intended to be Reeve, but the, the, the look he's got. Is perfect for both comedy and horror in a weird way. Um, and yeah. I'm sure he has done other horror things before. I just can't think of what. I, I know I've seen him in other horror stuff. I mean, it, it's sort of
1: like when he's in Pirates of the Caribbean, it's not horror, but it's a horror-type character that he's playing there, isn't it? Sort of, sort yeah. of the pirate kind of thing. Or yeah. ghost, I suppose, it looks like. It's yeah. sort of good enough for zombies, I would say.
0: <laughs> yeah. and I That's you know, where I think the, the cast in this film... Um, Especially the ones we've mentioned because we know, you know, know them from other stuff. Um, the, the acting comes across really well and really believable, and um, uh, the. It's still light yeah. at the same time, isn't it? It's like it's yeah, all, yeah. I mean, it's that's really it's, this film is as much of a comedy as it is of a horror, yeah. without being um, more of a comedy. Like say, Shaun the Dead. There's as much people argue it. Shaun the Dead is a comedy with horror elements, opposed to being yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say.
1: Enough horror um, that you'd call it a comedy horror. Like, you wouldn't want to yeah. just tell someone it was a straight-up comedy and then they go in yeah. and there's, you know, heads coming off and stuff. But, <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. but, also, <laughs> but still, yeah. you wouldn't At want to tell them it was a
1: horror either, would you? Like,
0: no, exactly. I, mean, um, I think you also, could
1: get away with it with this, I, I think. Yeah. There's only really Johnny Vegas' uh, sort of skit in it with the zombie yeah, part. Is, uh, the rest eight of eight them pretty much, pretty much just is like a bit of a slasher horror movie really isn't it like
0: yeah it's just sort of kind of self-aware story. in a way that you know scream is a horror yeah yeah, yeah. So, so, so scream is a comedy horror sorry um because it's got the the parody um parts like in this when uh, there's a character who keeps expecting the jumps that doesn't come
1: yeah it's just it's just where that if it was a horror film that would be a good point for a jump scare so she goes <laughs>
0: Yeah, sorry. And, um, I just
1: thought that you know that would be a good place for someone to jump
0: out. <laughs> yeah, which is funny, but then it does. You it's not breaking
1: without actually breaking it at the same yeah. time, isn't it? Like, it's
0: yeah, like, yeah, and, and that that would provide both a laugh and scare um, at the same time, especially if you watch in the cinema. Um, but another um, cast member I wanted to mention was uh, that all the characters in it are sort of early forties, um, but there's the younger girlfriend played by Am um, Kelly Wenham. Who was in a horror film that came out a few years ago, which was definitely in my top five of the year when we have done a list, uh, called Double Date. Yeah. Um, and she's, she's um, in the interview, she says she's not really a horror fan, but I've seen, this is the third horror film I've seen her in. In um, another one, as well as Double Date, she was in one called The Darkness Comes, which is really dark. That's on Prime. Quite a difficult one. She she's come from a co- comedy background as well and does a, a character called Claire Fist, who's one of these sort of out on the street reporters. Um, but I, see her as someone who I think if she sticks to doing the comedy and horror, could be a really big star because if you look at her performance in this throughout the film, it really develops and there's a wide range there. And she does exactly the same in um, Double Date. And it's probably why they got her for this, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. Have you ever seen Double Date? No, one I do remember yet. you
1: talking about it um, yeah. when we were doing roundups a while ago. I think I was Is that one that you saw at a uh, film festival. No, that one...
0: Randomly, it was on two Halloween's ago at Sydney um, World in Ipswich. It was only on for like a week, nah. and I happened to catch it. And it's it took a good year to get a, or maybe two years actually. Yeah, it took, it came out in two thousand and seventeen, and it didn't get a Blu Ray release till last year, and then it's just come on Amazon Prime now. Um, so you can watch it if you've got Amazon Prime for nothing now. So, um, but that's uh, that's one more book watching, and um, that was directed by a, a British horror director called Benjamin uh, Barfoot, who I thought would go on and do more, but he, he's mainly gone into documentaries and stuff now. But yeah, sometimes it can, can take a long time to get a project off the ground. So I, I reckon that done fairly well for a small horror. So I reckon yeah. we'll hear more from him as well soon. And
1: i finished finish what you're saying. And then I'll, I was going to say that, that the,
0: these two films, not just the actress who's in both, um, but the, the tone of them both remind me of each other. So if you check out this, I'd definitely like it. I'd definitely recommend Double Date as well.
1: Makes sense. Makes sense. I was going to say, um, was there anything that you saw at the Dead and Sudbreed Festival, any directors that sort of stood out at that? Because as I gather, yeah. there was quite a few sort of smaller productions.
0: Yeah, there was, um, there's a few I wanted to mention. Um, there's a film called uh, Chester Which is another comedy horror, but a really gory one about um, a Yorkshire village where uh, a rich bloke's basically taken over the village and somehow managed to um, legalise murder. (laughs) And um, it's did like posh people (coughs) living in this, and every now and then killing each other for whatever reason. Then you find out there's another couple of villages doing the same, and they organise a murder festival, a bit like a comic con, where they all meet up. But each village hate each other. Um, just so it's crazy. a bit like,
1: like a sort of formalised village war. Like, you know, we just get together at this time, get yeah. as many of theirs as we can get, and vice versa, yeah. and then, but then there's, peace but it, the rest of the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's a lot of a really good moments in it, like um, one of the, the family's daughters off at uni, and she doesn't know that, that um, they've sort of brought her up outside of the village. And then she comes back for whatever reason and is thrown into this crazy world that she never really knew about because she'd been brought up in posh schools and rarely visited. Um, and uh, just the well, a, a policeman who's trying to catch them out constantly because if, if a murder happens by the border, yeah, obviously it's illegal and they, he's basically trying to get them all arrested and fails yeah. miserably in slapstick form. Um, but it's really interesting. It kind of reminded me of um, a bit League of Gentlemen, but a lot darker, if that's possible. Um, yeah, but and, less
1: less obviously comedy, I suppose. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, yeah, League this, of Gentlemen, uh, as far as comedy goes, it's about as gory as you're going to get. Well, it's still strictly comedy.
0: <laughs> yeah. But this is one which I could imagine it's clearly a comedy and clearly meant to be funny, but it get, it's so dark that um, in an interview with the director um, at the festival, he said he. Was a bit worried it might just appear on YouTube instead of getting a proper release, uh, which I think it would be taken off YouTube. You know, it wouldn't be able to just go on there. Um, but it is getting a proper release. It's going to get. Um, I think they said a double disc Blu-ray release soon. Mm. Um, it's been doing the festivals for probably close to a year now, but because of COVID and stuff, it's not much. Else. You know, it's been doing the online ones and I think one or two maybe crate fest um, towards the beginning of the year. Um, the direct, yeah, J- Jamie McKellar is the director and he's got another film on the way called uh, High Skate Rollers which is uh, It looks like it's sort of set in the 80s about roller skating vampires it looks really over the top it's a bit <laughs> daft, kind of a, a turbo kid feel about it from the, the trailer I've, I've seen and uh, he's nice, working on good. loads of other stuff and done loads of short films and um, there, was, there was an interview with him I saw and it's just he's doing what he can while all this is going on so he's got some short Films and some actual films in the pipeline, so that's a director to definitely watch. I'd say. Um, should I mention another one quickly? Yeah,
1: or, or, yeah, by all means, keep them coming.
0: There was a film um, uh, which I was a bit um, weary of to start with, and I'll be honest, I um, well, I wanted to watch every film at this festival, but I gave this one a bit more attention because Emily Booth, was in it, the movie legend that she is. Um, <laughs> It's a uh, um, fan footage film called They're Outside, and that's what put me off it being a fan footage film. So yeah, because obviously,
1: obviously it really was uh, done to death uh, in the wake of the Blair Witch Project, really. I mean, makes total sense because it's an easy thing to do if you're starting out and you're making a low budget movie, then do a fan yeah. footage horror. It's probably the easiest one. You can do
0: that with your phone, really. So. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, but this one was done through a YouTuber is the main, um, the main character and he's basically um, got a sort of a mystery type, you know, show, you know, and he's sort of a, he comes across as a bit of a Jeremy Kyle as mm. in he's trying to make people look um, dumb basically. But he goes to visit um, someone who's agoraphobic and not left the house for years. And um, then it goes a bit Wicker Man and it's all like there's some, some demon in the forest. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but I think it is worth watching. Um, Emily Booth plays the friend of the, the agoraphobic lady in visitor, and turns out used to be a um, TV presenter herself. So um, basically, I think it's almost a spoof of the real-life Emily Booth. Um, and it, it just kind of works because it's, it is a um, a horror, but the little bit of humour really works in it. And I think yeah. the... the YouTube's a slightly different twist. So I don't think I've seen one done like that, really. I'm um, yeah, I mean, not, not exactly
1: but, unfriended. It's kind of similar in that it's all sort of web chat yeah. kind of stuff, like video calls. Yeah. But this so is, it looks, um, it's not the same, but, I mean, close enough.
0: Yeah, but this is sort of edited so that you've got his YouTube um, show, which never went out, and he explains it. It's put into a documentary form. So um, you know that he's gone missing and it speaks to his parents. So it's a bit all over the place, but the center of it, the main bit is the YouTube. And, um, but I said a mix of the humor and um, the fact that the acting is really good uh, for what it is because you believe this guy would have this YouTube channel, you know, and then um, mm. it just kind of works. So it's like a 90 minute for something that I thought, oh, this could be really bad. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, the director's uh, a real Anthony Hales, who's got another film coming out called uh, Frostbite pretty soon, which I've seen sort of clips of, so I think it's getting there. Uh, Emily Booth's in that as well. And he's um, producing a film called uh, The Heckle, which is a British horror, which um, I don't, the, the trailer basically, I think some sort of psycho won't leave a comedian alone, mm. and uh, hence the heckle. And... Um, and the comedian's played by Steve Guttenberg, who's coming over to do a British film, um, which I, I'm interested in seeing, because I like Steve Guttenberg, even though yeah. he hasn't done anything for years. Well, um, he, he has actually done a lot of TV and stuff, but i remember seeing an interview with him once recently, and someone said, why haven't you uh, um, made a decent film in years? And his answer was, because I've got millions of dollars doesn't <laughs> need to basically <laughs> yeah, yeah um but he's um that's i follow him on on twitter and he comes across as a really nice boat it'd be interesting to see him in a horror as well um so th- this guy's definitely worth what i um, looking out for they're outside i don't know anything about whether it's going to get a um a cinema a proper cinema release more likely it would go to prime or might even um show up on the horror channel fairly soon. yeah um, i mean
1: that's that's the it, usual yeah. route of of these things, and it? it's uh, difficult yeah. to get a distributor for independent stuff yeah. to, to go out into all of the big multiplexes and so on. Yeah. So it's usually festivals, and then DVD and streaming services, or just say hoping that one of the channels, like Horror Channel, or other or yeah. the movie channels, pick it up.
0: Well, um, just a bit a of the to... above. and yeah. <laughs> um, we mentioned on uh, our last one, I, I I bigged up a film called A Ghost Waits, and since we've recorded that, they've announced that Arrow have picked it up, so it's a new film that Arrow is going to release I assume Blu-ray, and they usually go there with all the features don't they, so it's good mm-hmm. when a, a little film gets released like that um, hopefully some of these films will as well um, yeah um, I'm just, just going to quickly mention another director called Charlie Steed who's got a new film come out which I did watch called Death Ranch which is uh, more of an action y kind of um, set in the 70s in America, but this is an English director and a lot of the cast and stuff are English. And um, it's basically set in the 70s, and the Ku Klux Klan go after the wrong people, if that makes sense, and it all turns. <laughs> um, really violent, pretty good. Um, he's, he's actually made nine movies, but they're all, if you look at IMDb, they're all sort of two, three, four star ratings. Um, his biggest film is a film called uh, A Werewolf in England which got quite a big DVD release earlier on this year and people like and I remember seeing that come out and uh, to be honest I was put off it by the title so it just sounds like a cheap rip off doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean um, you can't
1: That it must be deliberately named yeah. to make you think that way as well, to, well yeah. yeah
0: Can't but, imagine um, that's
1: a mistake
0: No, no <laughs> so um, oh, that's one I want to check out now and he's got a lot of films on the way and the fact that Okay, his films have His British films didn't get great reviews. He's been able to go over to America and make films there. Says to me, he's doing something right, and possibly one to look look for because often the directors get picked up by bigger studios after doing things like this. And yeah, we look at where the, the directors from, say, the Marvel films have all come from. Usually, yeah, they've done something yeah. more low budget, and then they get them to do um, Fantastic Four the, and ruin the, it. The, I mean, um,
1: the, the well, um, usually maybe not that, but usually. <laughs> they've kind of come through and done some of the better ones as well.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, I know he's not English, but if you look at um, the guy down four, who came from, yeah. to flight the Concords and stuff like that originally, wasn't
1: he? Yeah, come out from New Zealand and done done good stuff there. Yeah. And um, a few of them, really. A
0: few
1: of them. Yeah. So, Gardens of the Galaxy coming through that was coming through independent films as well. I mean, I'm going to talk about Ben Wheatley for um, English or British horror directors that have uh, been doing good stuff in the next year, but I'm going to mention, uh, we were talking about Killer Sofa on the last episode uh, with the director, Bernie Rao. Uh, We're going to, we hope we're saying his name, right? Never (laughs) correct. But he got in touch. He got in touch. He listened to the podcast and enjoyed it, um, which was nice. So we asked him if he'd come on, on some, at some point in the not too distant future. And he said that they would. So um, hey. we're gonna we're gonna talk to the director of Killer Sofa at some point, ask him what the bloody hell they think they're playing at. I suppose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's one that um we yeah, it hasn't been online that long. That was the last one we done before this. Um, but a lot of people have actually mentioned that film to me more so than any other film we've reviewed. I think. Yeah, well, so, we've reviewed
1: uh, all manner of really really great movies, and Killer Sofa is the one that uh. <laughs> that they seem yeah. to be interested in. Well, that, that's cool. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get to talk to the director yeah. of that movie on a future episode, which is,
0: yeah,
1: which is to that. Yeah, uh, I wanted to I wanted to mention Ben Wheatley while we're talking about British horror and like recent British horror because I think he's um he's a re- he's a really really good director and he does have quite a, he's not exclusively in horror but he has got quite a commitment to the genre. When he goes at it, he tries to do something different. Um, yeah. with it and put, put his own stamp on things. And the horror that he's done is quite different from each other, although there's always this sort of dark humour running throughout all of it. Yeah. Kill List is uh, the first sort of film that he'd been known for. There's bits and pieces that he's worked on before that. But Kill List would be the the first film that I think really got any attention, um, which is a bit of a twist on your kind of hitman story. Uh it's good. It's, it's good. Sightseers. That comes after that is more of a sort of black comedy. I think that was the first one that I really took notice of.
0: Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that was. I remember that when that came out, um, it, got, it made like the film theater in Ipswich, and I remember seeing the reviews. It's one of those films that I just you really wanted to see. Yeah, you know, a British yeah. dark, and I mean that—that's n- nearly a horror film, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say it's—it's it's hard not to see it as a bit of a comedy horror film just because it's so gruesome and how deadpan yeah. it is about what's going on. Like, obviously, it's sort of like, it flips your kind of Fred and Rose West sort of serial killer couple dynamic in a way, isn't yeah. it? It's sort of, it's one of those where it looks like uh, this woman's kind of being led along and exploited, but ultimately it's completely yeah. the other way around. It's, it's, it's got a really, really like nice way of looking at the kind of like the mundanity of, like life for the average English person, like you know, they're quite yeah. quite a shy girl lives with a mum, very close to a mum. You know, mum's quite overbearing, that kind of thing. Quite proper, but they're poor at the same time. Um, yeah. So it's got it's got all of that sort of stuff going on, um, and it it plays with your expectations really well. And that it, it never it's never never forced. Like there is a twist to it but it's not in a sort of like really ram down. Your throat. It's not trying to be clever with the twist or anything ah. just plays out really well and flows really naturally. It's a it's a great film sightseers. And um, the next horror that he would have done after that would be a field in England, which is like really, really different. That's that in the, the English civil war in the 17th century. And it's sort of like defectors from both sides of the war kind of like find each other but then finds uh, is sort of a wizard or, I mean, the, the, the synopsis says alchemist. Um, I don't know if it, that's obvious in the film, but he's some sort of magic bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he's completely unhinged and he forces them to help them find this, uh, treasure that he thinks is buried in a, in a field in England. And, um, And so he kind of, like, there's all kinds of mad psychedelic stuff, really, really, like, insanity-inducing scenes. And I think that's sort of where the horror comes from. I mean, something that comes from a straight horror source, like, if you think of the table, like, the dinner table scene in Texas Chainsaw Massacre and how, like, intense and mad that scene is, it's a bit like that over an extended period of time
0: in the filled in and I don't know if you've seen it, up. No, this is another. I remember coming out and just having a quick look online. It like, it hasn't even got a certificate at the moment. I don't know if it's, uh, it's, it's, it's on, fifteen, it's I think, but that's no, not yeah, it's just,
1: not really it's any good. reflection of like how severe it is because it is really it's disturbing. Just
0: not rare. There's a couple yeah, of bits
1: where you're not sure what happened and you are sort of like that's yeah. worse because it can't have been good, whatever it is. And yeah, like there's yeah. there's some scenes of sort of torture in there. Um, and certainly a bit where one of them is forced to eat mushrooms and then is kind of sort of strapped up a bit like a donkey or a horse and then he uses him as a sort of way of detecting because he's looking for this buried treasure that he thinks is in this field and he uses him as a sort of like a magical detector almost, but there's some horrific... It happens in a tent. But it's got
0: a lot of familiar English faces in as well. Yeah, you've um, got
1: um, uh, at least one member of the League of Gentlemen is in that film. Um, you've got, yeah, definitely some well-known yeah. some well-known. uh but Is it in black British and white as well? In it? Um, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. I think some of it is in colour, though. Yeah. Um, it- it's mainly in black and white, but I'm sure that's. I really feel like some of it was in colour. Yeah. I, could, I could be remembered.
0: Yes, yeah, another one I, I definitely remember coming. Did you see it at the cinema?
1: No, that, I never uh, saw it at the cinema. I saw it um, just on DVD. I really wanted to see it uh, as soon as I heard about it, but it had already been and Gone by the time I was sort yeah. of aware of it, as far as its cinema list goes. You've got people like Michael Smiley plays the alchemist slash wizard slash witch, what warlock, whatever he is. Yeah. Um and he's really familiar, but people might know him as the Tires in Space, if nothing
0: yeah. else. Yeah, oi, oi, you lucky people. Yeah, so
1: <laughs> he's he's in it, and he's really, really well cast. And he got now, what's Lee, his name Reece from Sh- Maibushi
0: in it. Um, um, Maibushi's in it as well as me. Uh,
1: Julian Barrett. Yeah, yeah, Julian Barrett's in it, and uh, Rhys Shearsmith Smith from The League of Gentlemen.
0: Uh, in That's that it yeah. as well. Um, but but this is the film. Looks, I think it did critically done really well. And then after that, his next, his next films were two quite big, um, American films. I think he did. Uh, I I think
1: it, after it, because he'd had three interesting films that were all quite different from each other, but at the same time had, you could tell it felt like a Ben Wheatley film on each of the three. I think he has started to do quite well for himself as a, as a result. Um, like, I feel that England was nominated for a bunch of awards. I don't know if it won anything.
0: Yeah, um, it was definitely one that it got a claim it came out. Um, it's sort of, it's kind of got that. Just looking at it, the fact that what it looks like, it's, it reminds me of the lighthouse what came out recently, and how that didn't do yeah. that well commercially. I, but everyone wanted to. There was a lot of sort of buzz about it, and I, I to
1: Silent Horror, wasn't it? The the yeah. lighthouse, and it, yeah, it's, I mean it's. Yeah, A Field in England, definitely. Um, if you liked A Lighthouse and you haven't seen Field in England, definitely check it out. But then the other two are, are not so much like that. No. He yeah, has got quite a bit of range. He's got one in pre-production um, at the minute called Freak Shift, which seems like it could be pretty good. It just says, A band of misfits hunt down and kill underground nocturnal monsters, which for him um, is probably going to be really good. He's also been involved in uh, directing the Netflix remake of Rebecca, the the Hitchcock yeah.
0: film. Yeah, which is like a pretty not not got old, such good reviews.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I also, feel like why that's like one of those things. It's it's you're on dodgy ground remaking anything Hitchcock. People are gonna people are gonna it off because you're being judged. Right. You, you're being judged yeah. next to Alfred Hitchcock.
0: So yeah. <laughs> but for me, I, I generally rough. think that is a... It's made for Netflix, so it's probably more of a TV free. movie, and that's probably a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he's had High it's Rise like... and Free Fire in two. High Rise, indeed,
1: and... yeah, which is kind of like really, really dark sci- sci-fi. Obviously, the J.G. Ballard novel. Uh, yeah. Dystopian sci-fi kind of stuff. But then I, I suppose it's like a really fine line with dystopian sci-fi and horror, I suppose. Yeah. Right. And
0: then uh, Free Fire, I, I think I've seen Free Fire, but I can't remember. It's, um, yeah, it's sort of an action... Crime comedy um, with a big cast um, like uh, Sam Riley's in it, um, Brie Larson, I had the feeling John Goodman was in it but I might be getting confused or something else but um, that found quite well got quite a big release but probably because of the, the actors in it um, and it's got an alright sort of for an, an action comedy 6.4 and IMDB is pretty good for a film like that I'd say mm. um, and then and he's got coming up, um, we mentioned Ideal earlier. Is attached to a film of that, which I think yeah. is interesting. I mean, interesting because that they're he's... talking
1: about a film about it's so I imagine that'd be some sort of reboot because it's quite a while since the series finished and not mm-hmm. that many people seem to know about it. Although it's odd because it went it went to about five series and um, I seem to remember it being well received at the time. It's just sort of been forgotten in a lot of yeah. ways, ideal. So I reckon that'll be a... being brought back.
0: A movie much like the Alan Partridge film where you can watch it stand alone. Yeah. But it will help you. But then he's attached to the second Tomb Raider and the Meg too as well. Yep. So, he's, I mean, he's certainly been certainly been out there working, yeah.
1: but the second Tomb Raider movie is one that sort of baffled me a little bit. Like, because, oh yeah, so it was a 2018 reboot. And I guess it doesn't seem to, is that not been made yet?
0: No, it's not it's been like made yet. Two, so whether two he two ends years, up directing it or not. He's down he's as the two. director,
1: yeah. yeah. Um, so I mean, that was the one that... Big the studio two, stuff that, that is... That yeah, I
0: mean, the, the 2018 film didn't do very well at the cinema, but then made loads of money um, watching at home, whether it's through people renting it, streaming or, or mm. buying a DVD. Um, but that's an, that's an interesting... But that will probably be shot over here. And probably a lot of English people behind that. But then and you the see, you see,
1: he's still got these sort of smaller horror-themed projects on the go at the same time. You've got someone who's out there doing yeah. big studio work and getting the money in, but at the same time still pursuing the, the sort of smaller projects that you know, obviously. The, yeah, th- definitely. They love, I think mean, that's still cool to see.
0: That's a good, he's got one um, coming out that he's written and directed as well, or written and, and directing, which um, looks like he's got some of his familiar places in, called In the Earth. So that's probably more his passion, yeah. whereas the other ones are the paychecks, which is, is, that, is how a lot of them do it. You know, even Hitchcock would do that. Yep. We um,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. So you've got to pay the bills with that, Yeah. I also so, um, wanted to mention Christopher Smith, who is another, he's another one of them directors, I think, that nobody really knows the name of. I've got several of his films and I always have to look up what was his name. It was Christopher Smith. Um, <laughs> I, he made films like Creep, which is a horror movie set on the London Underground. Yep, that's You've that. You've probably, probably seen that. A, I have that seen that. Really, really enjoyable <laughs> monster movie, the- basically. Like What Lurks in the Shadows, it's well done. Um, yeah. Sort of standard, really standard modern horror fare. I think you could put on for a um, casual horror fan and a hardened horror fan alike, Creep it's um, yeah. kind of why I like them that they're, they're accessible but they they're well made enough that you, even the jaded can enjoy them severance was probably more famous
0: um, yeah, um,
1: this was the the office team building exercise gone horribly wrong in the woods that's a bit of a comedy I, I as well was that, that was definitely definitely a comedy horror i'd say probably more horror than comedy but it's definitely a comedy horror um, which seems to be a running theme with um, modern horror films coming out of the UK. Like,
0: yeah, say, of always of, yeah, always seem to have a
1: lot. Yeah, always seems to have a comedy element to what's going on. Even Ghost Stories um, yeah. has got a fair dose of comedy with it, and I think that's sort of a bit of a British horror tradition. And uh, also directed, it's all um, a bit of a laugh, really, isn't it? Yeah, but something that was yeah, always yeah. said about Hammer horror was that like there was a sort of an unspoken agreement between Hammer Horror making the movies and the audience, like they would pretend to be trying to scare us, and we'd go along with it by pretending to be scared. But really, the whole thing is yeah. a bit of a laugh. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> all over, yeah. isn't it? That
0: yeah. But I just notice as well, he he directed um, Get Santa a few years ago, which is a um, a kids Christmas film, but actually a quite good one. With um, oh, I forget the actor's name, the big British actor who was in Moulin Rouge and stuff like that. Um, I, oh, I don't know. Um, he was yeah. in Only Fools and Horses and every, he's in every British film ever made. Um, Jim Broadband. No, Warband. Jim Broadband,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah he was in it. In it. Yeah, yeah. But that was, but that's, that's pointing that out is that, you know, quite often the directors, they do the, the mix of comedy horror, but then they'll go off and do either a straight horror or a straight comedy. Mm. Um, which, which I think, I think there's the history of, comedy horror going back from the days of Albert and Costello meet Frankenstein, that sort of thing. So it's always, you know, it, the, the two genres seem to cross over more than anything else. Yeah, true. Um, true. And I think, I think us Brits actually
1: do it really well as well. Yeah, um, that's the thing. Um, well, that's, that's why I said it. It's like it. sort of is a bit of a British horror tradition that it'll always have a little bit of comedy yeah. thrown in there. Um, going back to Christopher Smith, uh, he also did the Black, uh, Black Death In 2010 um which is sean bean is in this one um i think that it's a really a really good horror film it's different to his other ones this one's set during the time of the bubonic plague um in england and there's a group of sort of christian soldiery types that are going from village to village and they find a village where there is no plague and it turns out that this village is um, basically protected by witchcraft and they have their faith tested within it um it i i don't know about how well it did um on its original cinema run i don't think it was ever really like a big deal um but it has got some fairly you know some fairly well-known actors in it obviously sean Bean starring um and i would say it's like it's a good one for if people like enjoyed the witch It'd be a good one to go to for that kind of like folk horror kind of yeah I mean, um, genre. And, it,
0: and this looks like it's one what came out a little bit before we got this is a few years before the witch, so yeah, before these films got beginning and and um Eddie Redman was in it as well before he. Yes, exactly. Like some, like I
1: say, there's some, there's yeah. some, there's some big names in it. And um, as you have said, there, like, kind of before films like The Witch were coming about, before Midsummer and stuff like that. I think if Black Death had come about a little bit later, it might have done better than it did because it's yeah. it's a style that's kind of come <laughs> into fashion a bit more, but like later, yeah. quite a, a good few years later than um than its 2010 yeah. release. Really.
0: It's probably a film like this that would influence those films getting made anyway. So it's a difficult one to call, isn't it? When something's yeah. ahead of its time, chances are other directors, other writers have seen that and gone, that's a good idea. But well, do
1: you that's see what movie. I mean, like, about Chris, Smith? was kind of a bit of an underrated director in horror, writing, Yeah. Because those are three really distinctly different but really quite good horror movies with Creep, yeah. Severance and, and Black Death there. But,
0: and they're ones I wouldn't have um, put as being the same director. He'd, he'd done... Um, triangle as well didn't
1: he yeah um, which I, I didn't mention because I haven't seen it but that was the year before Black Death so like yeah. in the sort of like you know first, first decade of the century like the 2000 to 2010 he is knocking out some, some really decent horror movies there um, mm. and then um, he has had one this year that I haven't seen which is another horror movie set in the most haunted house in England so it's set uh, it's in Yorkshire I think this is uh, meant that Based on a real house, I think it is meant to be the most haunted house in England. <laughs> um you got people like Sean Harris in it. Uh he played Ian Curtis in um, the Twenty Four Hour Party People. Um yeah. so the version of Ian Curtis in that. Um okay, he, generally yeah. play, he generally
0: plays nasty bastards because he's got one of them faces. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, just it, just I'm sure he's that, lovely, a... you know. I reckon um there's, there's a few reviews of that up and stuff. And it says it was released on the 17th of October. But I reckon it's only had a um, like festival release because it's on IMDB and only 45 people have reviewed it. Yeah. Now they could all be professional reviewers it's been sent out to. So I reckon this will get a, a release early next year somehow.
1: Yeah, I it mean, it's, a, it's exactly the kind of thing that you can chuck out at any time. Um, yeah. because it's a haunted house movie and that there's always, you know, they they never really lose their yeah. audience to that. You can always chuck at least one of those out a year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it get a film release, you know, like a cinema release, I should yeah. say later down the line. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, a lot of the reviews are just calling it sort of like generic haunted house movie, but I don't good. know <laughs>
0: how fair that is really. But, but it's, you know, it's uh, horror as well. is a difficult one for, Reviews. I've always found this um, because a horror film that will get a really good review like say The Witch um, I'd say 50% of people who go in it won't enjoy it because it's not what they want from a horror. Yeah. And then the same enough. people would go and see a really gory like, like in the days of when the Nightmare Elm Street and Jason films were getting 17 sequels. Poor reviews but the audiences were actually loving them. So I think horror is that, that genre where you can get a bit snobby about it. I mean, I really like The Witch. One film I really liked was um, Babadook a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Um, so. But I know so many people who didn't, who would consider themselves a certain sort of horror fan. So when it, horror is that one genre where I don't necessarily look at, look at a film to get a bad review and say, I'm not going to enjoy that. Generally, if they get good reviews, I will. But a lot of them will get bad reviews i'll enjoy, but for a different reason
1: um, well it depends i mean it's like, there's nothing wrong with not liking a movie at the end of the day no. so like I never put any pressure on myself to like a film if it's up to the film to entertain me really, and if it doesn't it doesn't um, but, but, but there's no, to... i don't put any criteria on that I, or if i 've sat down to watch a film for me like and for anybody doing this, the understanding is that you put it on to enjoy it. You yeah. did you. you it, it's very bizarre to put something on with the intention of disliking it. Well, um, so I'm um, always trying to like a film, but if I don't like it, I don't like it. Yeah,
0: you know, i like, well, find if if say a drama, or especially an action film for me, if that gets low, a low score on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or something, chances are I won't enjoy it. But with a horror, chances are I will. Yeah, I, think that, you know, I mean, like horror... uh, there's,
1: there's, there's, there's some things within horror that have, have always bothered me, like um what what became known as the torture porn genre, like the the Saw sequels and the hostile movies and stuff like that. I never really liked because I just saw it as I thought that the torture porn tag was was fair, really. That's mm-hmm. really all it is. Um, and I prefer story driven horror, I guess. Yeah,
0: I mean, uh, I, I think have. But... Hostel, I did didn't get, um, whereas Saw. I really liked the first one, but that was the first of its kind, really. Or uh, well, first to get come through to mainstream. But then it sort of, they tried to turn it into the character of Jigsaw. Yeah. And it, and it almost became a parody of itself, much like Mad Men Street did. I don't, you know, I don't just hate this, but I mean, no, I think the Hostel, I, I watched the first one, then didn't bother with the others. The Saw, I, I sort of stuck it out a bit, but... Um, But I I think you get these franchises every few years, like Final Destination, Paranormal Activity. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. So, I mean, Um, that's the kind of thing where it's like I'm less likely to enjoy it. If it's it's just being made because the previous four did well, then I feel like at that point, you know, you don't have to care about that. Like, yeah. and, and honestly, that's just kind of like they're, they're just trying to exploit you, so you don't have to give a shit about them yeah. in return. So
0: we've not really touched on, and we talk about a lot of horror. We haven't really done the um mentioned the, the sort of conjuring universe very much, have we? Because, now, it's not something it's that I watched.
1: I mean, this is like from the sort of like. Like modern
0: stuff, is it the same people who do Insidious and stuff like that? It feels like the same the producers might stable, be the same but they're trying to set up, or they are have set sort up, of a cinematic universe with. Annabelle the conjuring the and yeah. they're all set in the same world I mean these and, are really really
1: big horror films for a lot of people that's what defines horror right now and not yeah. the sort of stuff that we tend to point to like Babadook um yeah. is one of the ones we have talked about being like really influential but I mean it does depend on what you watch because like like you know the yeah. the, the, the Annabelle and the the Conjuring films are that's the big end of yeah, the, but the I genre think as well the minute of the money' w- is
0: almost being. Like it is, um, but I think for us being horror nerds, like Annabelle, we've seen in the likes of Chucky, the conjuring, we've seen, you know, films like Poltergeist, and you know, so for eggs, us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so for us, it's like it's almost like I always said when the American Pie films came out, I just didn't like them because I'd seen Animal House, Bachelor Party, that sort of thing growing up. I sound really old now, but I watched those films when I was far too young. I am the age that should have liked American Pie. That I felt like when I when they came out, I'd seen them. Yeah, I yeah. Uh, I thing.
1: I didn't have anything against them when they came out. Like I I, I never loved them like hugely, but yeah. I, I saw at least the first two at the cinema.
0: Yeah, um, but then you, you know you're a few years younger than me as well, so you might not have watched the films at the time that I that I grew up with. Um, because yeah, you know, when I was sort of eight nine, I was watching Revenge of the Nerds.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd seen I'd seen a lot of them, but then not the best example to give is it because I've always been a bit of a film nerd so it's yeah. like I've actively sought stuff out like you get this all the time don't you if you if you like something that's not of your era people go how oh, could you have possibly seen that Yeah. Like, because of the miracle of recorded images what <laughs> <laughs> uh, did, did I've got, you, actively uh, sort it out but I suppose people don't expect you to actively see uh, no.
0: do, do, do you ever see these things online where it'd be like uh the kids today will never know the joy of watching Thundercats. And you're like, "Cause say, will. it's on YouTube. Yeah. So, yeah and yeah. they remade it anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: they, t- yeah. they tend to bring oh,
0: things back. Yeah, the, the, what we're talking about, the, the best thing I've seen online this week is, um, there's a live action film of, um, Clifford, the big old red dog coming out or whatever it's called. Right? And the people's comments angry about it. And it's the, my childhood ruined and all this sort of thing. It's like, what? What? I mean, we've talked about how
1: stupid this is in the past. like When we're talking about Ghostbusters and people saying, that's my childhood ruined, you know, mocking them because it's not like someone's come and taken your DVD collection and set it on fire. You can watch it as many times as you like. But you wouldn't even think that anybody felt that way about Clifford the Big
0: Red Dog to begin with. No, but it, the thing is, it looks brilliant, right? The trailer is a teaser trailer of about like, four normal dogs. Then they look up and there's a bloody great big red one grinning at them. Uh, it looks great. And also Clifford as well. I didn't realise he'd been about since the sixties with the books. I so didn't realise up- it was as
1: old as that. Yeah. No. So it's, it our
0: old parents old. could have been moaning about their um, the cartoon, which came out when I was probably too old to watch. I never watched it as a kid. Mm. Um, but people never used to complain when they rebooted something or re- remade it. It's just people no, moaning, It was isn't just.
1: It? it was just. It's always always been one of the things that the film industry does. Yeah. Talked about that a lot. Like you can't just use "it's a remake" as as the reason to dismiss something. By all means, watch it and find as many reasons as you like. But it being a remake isn't isn't enough reason.
0: I'm in a Ghostbusters group and someone had a big rant the other day. It's like the reboot wasn't wasn't bad because it was women. It was bad because there was no plot and it wasn't funny. No, you've just lied there. (laughs) Because. It, there, there, was, there was a plot, definitely, and it was. And he's <laughs> got, got the same sort of humour as the original one. So yep. I don't see. Yeah, they
1: um lying. They, <laughs> they sort out the right kind of comedy actors to do to, to pull that off as well, didn't they? we yeah. talked about quite. a but, lot I mean, the, but the
0: horrors. Well, we're talking about horror. I mean, um, films like Poltergeist and Exorcist and Omen, they all seem to be getting remade. Um, uh, but this is why I find like the, the new films, new British horrors, more interesting. Because as well as the Cundren type of stuff was coming out of Hollywood, you are getting a lot of. Even though I really enjoyed it, they remade *Child's Play* last year. Yeah. Which, I did like it, but it, what's the point? You know. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, it's the, the the I understand why people complain about remakes. Is mm. it's because at the end of the day, it's not like there are all of these uh, new directors and new writers out there with, with fresh ideas that they're just not taking a gamble on. They're putting their money into what they see as a safe bet. And it's a catch-22, isn't it? Because the more they do of that, the more people get turned off by it and the less money they make. And it's unfortunate that this is usually where you get the, you know, horror goes in peaks and troughs and you end up with them them dips where you don't get so much made because they're just thinking, well, people don't want to see horror movies anymore, which, of course, is drivel. They just don't yeah. want to see the same horror movie over and over again. Yeah,
0: no, <laughs> I said, see they're, they're remaking them. Um, there's a, a Ma- Maniac Cop remake coming out um, soon, but I think with um, things like Black Lives Matter, they could actually make a good film out of that um, if they update it properly. Um, and that's how a horror film can work, because you know times change in you know thirty, forty years. So you could update it and put the the same fear in a modern situation. That way yeah. it could work. But then you don't necessarily have to use the same name where you could just have the... Like I think they're doing it with Candyman, aren't they? Um, they got delayed, but it, yeah, I was it's a say, reboot, something but it's also a to,
1: Yeah, something's happened with the production of Candyman, but it was, from what I saw, looking pretty promising.
0: Um, yeah, it's um, Jordan Peele, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so it's in good and hands. Uh, I think with that, because of cinemas opening and closing... They want it to be a cinema release. Chances are we'll see that next Halloween then.
1: Yeah. So, uh, um, I mean, I would much rather see that get a proper cinema release than, than just yeah. sort of be you know, creeping out onto a streaming service. The,
0: the, the one I'm fuming about is um, looks like uh, the King Kong versus Godzilla film is going to go to streaming. Oh. Uh, and I'm like, I get they need to get these films out and they need to make some money on them, but th- those films are ten times better on the big screen.
1: Yeah, they're yeah, really I really only like to watch the um, the American takes on them on cinemas yeah. on, on the cinema screen because they're just made for that.
0: Yeah, so, I mean the the, the first little comeback Godzilla film I really like. The second one was only good in the cinema <laughs> um, because cause it's the scale of it and IMAX yeah. and you know. Um, yeah. So I hope even if it does, we we'll still have the opportunity if we want to pay to see it at the cinema as well. Because that's kind of happening at the moment.
1: Um, that would be that would be preferable, preferable yeah. to me. I mean, because the other, the other thing with like remakes is um, that you can revisit like old ideas in in a different way. Like Ghost Stories is a good example of recent British horrors that yeah. kind of revisits a lot of old stuff and pays tribute to it, but is is kind of like its own thing as well and it's got its own its own voice i mean that sort of really was like a a nod to just british horror throughout the years and if i think of like we have to mention it before we go because um because of that fact it was a a recent british horror movie that 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 in so many ways was just a love letter to the history of british horror films in general it references things that obscure stuff like whistle and i'll come for you my lad and um uh, more well-known stuff like From Beyond the Grave and it is sort of typically just like in the style of that Hammer and Amicus like anthology yeah. film style. Um, and it's got all of the, the good haunted house stuff but it's still trying to scare you with it is what, what I liked about yeah. it. It was, and was a, lot it going was a on proper it horror well. film. Yeah. yeah
0: um, but it was sad in the last 10 years I'm sure the sort of Hammer comeback there was at least two Hammer films yeah. One was The Woman in Black, which
1: Mr. is as New much well. of a
0: Yeah, and that that was as much of a remake as it was, because that had been made for T V before. Nobody mm-hmm. criticized that. And it was for twelve Certificate Horror as well. That was for some big. reason
1: you're allowed to make as many versions of old classic novel type stuff as you like. But if it was a film first, people get really iffy about it, and particularly mm-hmm. if it was more more of a modern or perceived mm-hmm. as more of a modern film. Well, of course, the eighties was a long time ago now. So yeah. when you're remaking stuff from the eighties, it's they've left it longer than some of the more um, classic remakes.
0: Oh, were the, left. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, one thing what bugs me is people always going about like, they, when they remade it. Firstly, it was a TV thing anyway, and everyone hmm. seems to think that the nineties one was a cinema release when it wasn't, and it's based on a book, so they can be, be remade as well more often than say a yeah, you know, I didn't like the the remake of Total Recall, but that's based on the book, so I can shut up because the remake's probably closer to the the book than the. Um, <laughs> it's often the way, isn't it? I mean, it's, yeah. it's
1: it's all a question of like when you've got a definitive version, but there's that's then, all, all up for
0: debate. The other Hammer film, um, and I'm sure it was on ten years ago, was The Quiet Ones. Yeah, that was one you recommended to me a while ago, and that that was really enjoyable as well. Yeah, I really enjoyed the quiet ones. I
1: mean, that had a f- the feel of a sort of seventies uh, horror film about it, didn't it? Yeah. Sort of. I, th- I think um, it was pretty obvious where they were getting their influence from, Setting a sort of experimental school kind of setting, which is quite quite a sort of sixties seventies idea. So yeah, that 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 was a good one. It was a good one. It was interesting to see the Hammer brand sort of like be bought and. I don't know how successful that revival attempt was, really, because it, it seems to have sort of like petered out a bit now. Yeah, well, they, were, I mean, they did make quite a few of them and they were they were pushing it. But it's like the films themselves didn't do that badly, but nobody cared about the fact that it had the Hammer brand on it, I think was nah,
0: the I think they did at first with because um, Men in Black was a big hit. Men in Black, so women, women in Black. In Black. <laughs> I mean, Men <Mandy> in <laughs> um, Black was, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but Women in Black um, was a big, hit and it had um, Danny Radcliffe in it, and it was the first one they'd done. So then people took note that it was Hammer. Uh, after that, I don't think anyone really cared, and I can't think of any of the other ones what came out with that brand. But there were, there were
1: a few. There was um, not let the right one in, but it was called let them in, which was like,
0: oh yeah, the reason, just was let the right one. So I didn't realize that was a. The
1: Hammer one. That was, that was on the Hammer brand as well, yeah. Well, this is the thing. like They didn't do... More, I mean, if you were going to try and revive the brand, I, I respected how they tried to make it so that it was just like it's a horror brand and was just making horror movies. But to make it work as a revival, you would have had to have kind of tied it more to the history of Hammer and the Hammer characters that people know. And then they might yeah. have seen it more as an, an actual reboot of Hammer horror. But yeah. I can see why they didn't do it that way. But sort yeah. of
0: they they might still be turning them out for all I know. They might, yeah. they might be. Um, you know, that was a sort of a, a sort of mini revival. Probably, probably was about ten years ago now, wasn't it? They came out. Yeah. Uh, um, but uh, but it's, it's, it's something that in the last decade or so, British horror seems to to be. You know, the films are, are coming out. Be them through streaming. which is probably why there's more made now. FrightFest has got a lot bigger over the last. Decade. Um I went to one day of that about three or four years ago and it was packed and there were so many different interesting films. Not all English but or British but
1: a significant a amount of them are. Yeah,
0: and that's where they premiere and these films are getting made for that. And um I think it's a, a thing that is gonna always be there. It'll be up and down, but I think in the next few years it'll get bigger. Let's just get that because of um To trouble with cinema at the moment, people might not be wanting to spend as much money making films. And a great thing about horror is so many classics have been low budget. Yeah, really, really good
1: ones.
0: Yeah, and I think people get more creative if they're limited to what they can spend. Yeah, if you've got a massive budget, (coughs) yeah. If you look at the the, the
1: phenomenon of the the PG 13 horror film that's kind of uh, plagued the bigger cinema releases of, of horror films for quite a while now, they tend to be, I mean, if you look at things like The Mummy with Tom Cruise, they tend to be closer to action movies a lot of the time yeah. than, um, than actual horror films. And yeah. they've got all of the money to just be like World War Z. Just loads of zombies, mountain of zombies. Get as many on the screen as you can at any one time yeah. and that'll be a really good zombie film.
0: And it won't. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it Whereas something like, you know, the, uh, Night the Living Dead, even Dawn of the Dead, classics cost fuck all yeah you know? yeah yeah um, and and
1: they're just it's a lot more inventive with what it's got than, yeah. than something with that that huge budget behind it
0: yeah but i think all the films we've mentioned that the english ones in this have been proper low budget as well um and that you know that's good because i think look where um, peter jackson came from making yeah. bad taste and branded and it shows a the talent that he went off to make some of the biggest films of the last twenty years. And, yeah, and yeah. so you will
1: get you will get like copies of Bad Taste or Brain Dead being circulated with from the director of the Lord of the Rings <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> written on the box.
0: <laughs> I think it should be the other way around. I mean, they yeah, put, put,
1: put from the director of Bad Taste and Brain Dead on Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And put, so, so someone out there like. Oh,
0: Oh, oh! Well, I like bad taste. I'm here with the go. <laughs> that would be great. But um, we sort of loosely, you know, I mentioned that um, Get Santa earlier, so we're hopefully going to try to put out a sort of Christmas special soon, aren't we? Um, yeah. Where we talk yeah, we're about do a different Christmas one. film. Yeah. Um, and I might talk about Anna and the Apocalypse, which is a British um, musical horror Christmas film. I'm going to re watch it. Brilliant. That. I mean, that, that, that could have gone on
1: this one, but it might as yeah. well go on the Christmas one. That sounds. Yeah. That sounds. I you know, haven't
0: enjoyable. seen it since last Christmas. I need a refresh. And that's something that can sort of cross the episodes over, like the genres do. Yeah. Um, probably
1: probably mentioned Silent Night, Deadly
0: Night. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Found Silent Night, Deadly you Night, know, free to watch. Um, I've wow. Had on DVD for about a decade and never seen. You know, <laughs> a box set with. Um, uh, slaughter High and Repossessed. Oh
1: movie. wow, I mean Slaughter isn't George Clooney in Slaughter High.
0: No, that's um that t- uh, that Return to t- Horror t- High or something like
1: that. Oh right, right. Different yes. thing.
0: Sla- slaughter High is an American slasher film and the only star I can think of is in it is um Caroline Monroe, who was in um she was in some hammer films I believe. Oh. Um but, but this was in the eighties and um she she plays like there's ten years different, so I think she's a mum now in this or a teacher or something. Uh yeah, really, really it's basically a Friday thirteen ripoff. So so <laughs> <super> quality stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, yeah. it's gonna be dreadful, I'm sure, but in an <laughs> enjoyable way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's a, a fairly fairly decent roundup of British yeah. horror. i mentioned some some much smaller ones and uh bright hopes for the future of it. And um Next time we were going to be talking and we're doing the Christmas one, but I can't remember what we said for the, for the other one. There was something we did
0: say, we did. Yeah. Say, yeah. Like, I can't for the, <laughs> can't for the life of me. I can't well, me I mean, we video. can't
1: do it now because we can't, <laughs> we can't remember yeah. what it was. Um, um,
0: coming of age movies is what it was. Coming
1: of age movies. Yeah. Because there's a lot of those. We didn't mention the um, prevenge in this episode. Ah, uh, uh, Alice uh, Rowan, um, that's a really really good um british horror movie as well so you should definitely yeah, check Jen.
0: out. <laughs> she was in in Sightseers as well wasn't
1: she? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, that would have been a nice nice little segue there but oh well we missed it.
0: Well we've, we've, <laughs> we've gone on for well over an hour and a quarter so
1: yeah um, we'll talk about coming <laughs> of age movies they obviously it's a it's a genre that kind of crosses genres at the same time because obviously uh, arguably um it is a bit of a coming of age movie but it's also a horror movie. Whereas then you've got things like Welcome to the Dollhouse that are just sort of more drama, or like indie drama kind of things. Um, well, they all come under that sort of coming of age um, sort of thing. It's a genre I've always really enjoyed, but I've never really sort of thought about as a body of films um, collected it's good, together. It's going to
0: be one that maybe we should just do it when we are recording, if you know, is it a coming of age film or not? Something we can talk about. Yeah, um, there's lots of yeah, days of is what I bang on about,
1: yeah, that definitely that's counts. One of
0: my favourite films ever.
1: Yeah, that's so a really good one. Well,
0: that's a really nice sort of film. But I'm, I've been rewatching the Wonder Years for the first time in nearly thirty years, and that—that's all that, isn't it? Yep. The Wonder Years. Is- any,
1: any, any film that's got anything in common with the Wonder Years, um, that definitely, that definitely count. But obviously, that sometimes that. Heartwarming and sometimes they're heartbreaking, but that's the genre. And obviously, at some as we mentioned earlier, at some point over the next few episodes, we'll interview um, Bernie Rao or Rayo, or we'll ask him what his name is. Um, <laughs> Hello, and welcome. What's your name, Bernie? Yeah. What's what, how do you say your surname? Um, <laughs> like, director of the actually, Killer Sofa, right. um, yeah. which are, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing. Should be good yeah. fun, and uh, we'll see if we can perhaps track down any other. Uh, sort of lower budget horror directors to rope into the podcast in the future.
0: Yeah.
1: Why not? Excellent. Right. Cheers, all.
0: There's no escaping here. <laughs> I'm not even supposed to be here today. If he gets up, we'll all get up. It'll be anarchy. I'm a trained actor reduced to the stakes of abound.